0: Good morning, church. First want to mention now, appreciative I am of the weekend, Memorial Day, and uh, thankful for those who serve our country, have done so much to give us this uh, freedom that we have to be here to preach and teach and all the other things that we have living in our nation. I've traveled all over the world. I'm telling you. uh, We have a great, great nation. Uh, And uh, I'm thankful to God for what we have in our country. And if you are serving or have served in our uh, uh, military branches of any kind, would you stand? I just want to recognize you and thank you for what you've done. Thank you so very much. Turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 and let's get on a fast track here. Nehemiah chapter 4. You know, I uh I just uh, got back from a little vacation trip and uh uh we uh, uh, had stopped somewhere along the way and I got something out of my suitcase, closed the uh uh the door, left out a few hours later, arrived at the hotel, opened the door, grabbed my bag and I forgot I'd gotten in it, and I pull it out, you know, and it's unzipped. And so everything I have just goes in the parking lot. And what do you do when something like that happens? Well, first you look around to see if anybody saw you like they're going to know me anyway, right? And then, because, you know, your pride does that, and then you kind of gather everything. Of course, I'm just cramming it in there, you know, get it back in, I'll fix it up later. You know, interruptions, those kinds of things kind of take place in our life, you know and uh, uh, kind of throw us all out of sorts and kind of get us all off target. Well, there, there's a whole group that the, the, uh, there's been a whole lot more dumped on the ground than clothes, I promise you, in the nation of Israel. And there's all kinds of things that have fallen down around them. And now Nehemiah is on the scene, and he's got this job of rebuilding. And, uh, 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 and so they're going to rebuild this wall. And in this chapter, we're going to look at some of the things that happen because they have this opposition that comes from without as well as within, and it erodes their ability to resist. So let's look at verses 1 through 12 and talk a little bit about this. Chapter 4, Nehemiah. Are you there yet? It's page 738 in the real Bible right here. When Zambalot heard, I just called him Sandy, Zambalot, I'm not sure if that's exactly how you say it or not. Uh, heard that we were rebuilding the wall he became angry and was greatly incensed he ridiculed the jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of samaria he said what are these feeble jews doing Will they restore their wall will they offer sacrifices will they finish in a day can they bring stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are Tobiah, the Ammonite, you always love to have another guy like him ready to jump on the bandwagon of ridicule, you know, who was at his side and said, what, what they are building, why, even if a fox climbed on it, he would break down the wall of stone. He said, this thing won't even hold up a small animal. That's how weak this thing is. Now, I love Nehemiah, he instantly goes to prayer. Hear us, O God, O our God, for we are despised. Now this is going to be a prayer, probably not one you prayed recently, because we're usually praying for forgiveness and love and help and the sick and uh, you know, uh, sick, poor, and traveling. You know, you learn that in school, right? You know, I'm like, what if I'm not sick and I'm rich and I'm not going anywhere? Can I have a prayer too? You know, uh, so uh, but this they, he goes, turns and prays and he says, look, here's what here's what he prays. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Have you had that in your prayer lately? Give over, give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. He's taken up for God's people. He's saying, Lord, you know they're despising you. They're despising the builders. Uh, uh, Defeat these evil men. And look, I'm for a prayer that says, defeat evil men. That's all right. We We can do that. So we rebuilt the wall till. Uh, uh, all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart by the way everybody is excited and working hard at the beginning of a project you know what I'm saying but when Samuel, uh, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod heard that the repairs of the Jerusalem wall had gone ahead that the gaps were being closed they were very angry they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judea said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's not, and there's no uh, so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, Before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Wherever you turn, they will attack us. There's some things that erode our resistance. One, is this ridicule that comes from these guys. You always, these kind of people always exist. The people on the outside edge, they're enemies. They're saying, you can't accomplish this. What are you doing? Uh, what you're doing has no, no, no ability. You're never going to amount to anything. You have those voices in your life. Then there's this fatigue that takes place. The, the verse says that they were, they were, they were weak. They, they, they lost their strength in the, this thing of building the wall. Now, look, the answer for fatigue is real simple. It's rest. You see, we can violate any of the principles of the Ten Commandments about hate or kill or uh, adultery or lying, stealing, all those, and people rebuke you for it. But we violate the Sabbath principle of rest and nobody rebukes you for it. But when we're Tired and sapped of our strength, we need to practice the principle of the Sabbath and rest. Set aside to the Lord. Go to Him. Let Him restore our strength. Let Him renew our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. There was fatigue that had set in. And they built it halfway, but boy, then it sets in. Then there they said, look, there's so much rubble. Anytime there's a rebuild, anytime there's construction, there's rubble, Right? Now you've had that at your, you've had a little rubble at your house before, haven't you? You know that closet door that you're afraid to open because everything's just going to fall out, right? And maybe you got all fired up one day and you're going to clean that building out. So you start good, but then by the end you're like, just stick it back in there somewhere. We all have rubble. We Some of us have rubble in our hearts and in our minds. And we we need to clean up and clean out. We need to get that out of because rubble represents frustration because I'm just stepping over stuff that's garbage, that's here, that's from the brain. You look at our city streets right after that flood and the houses being cleaned out. What did you see on the side? Rubble. But that had to be getting, you had to get that out before you could go in and rebuild the way you needed to. And then there's that fear and failure that comes about. Look, they said, there's so much trouble, we're, we're not gonna be able to do this. They listened to the voices of failure. We need to listen to the voices of success. The wise man said, as a man thinks in his heart, so is it. If you sit around thinking, I'm, this will never get done, we're never gonna accomplish, it won't. You have to understand that we believe in a God that accomplishes the impossible. And when we rebuild something, whether it's a wall in Nehemiah's day or whether it's lives in our day, God can accomplish what He has in store for you. He really can. (laughs) Then there's this thing of fear because of the threat of violence and the threat of their lives. By the way, did you catch that verse? I want to read it to you to make sure you get this. Verse 12. The Jews who lived near them... Jews that live near that outside edge, they came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they'll attack us. Don't you love those kind of people? I mean, the ten times over people just drive me crazy. You know, When you have a church, every now and then you'll have a ten times over. They're going to tell you ten times over how that we're not going to be successful if we do this. Mike, if we change this, this ain't going to work. Mike, we can't plant a church out there. We don't have enough money. We can't do that. We don't have enough. There are ten times over people who have voices in your life that tells you you're not going to be successful. Don't listen to the ten times over people. Don't listen to them. Turn a deaf ear to them. Because boy, they will take you down a bad road. Well, this fear—the way I remember this word, fear—f-e-a-r. F-E-A-R, fear, false expectations appearing real. That's what fear is. We get something in our mind, and it gets—we imagine—and all of a sudden, the fear builds up. Right? You know, I found this happened to me as I, as I. As I as I get a little older, uh, you know, used to, you uh, uh, you have a little pain somewhere and you've just, you're just sore. You get a little older and you face your mortality, you have a little pain somewhere and you've got cancer. Or you have a little pain somewhere and you've got a heart attack. You have a little pain, you know, everything leads to like the worst possible end in your mind, right? If you give in to that mentality, that's kind of what happens to us. We have to battle that, don't we? Fear that false expectations appearing real. And so many times fear dominates our life. How many times in the Bible fear not does Jesus say? And does his apostles say? Fear not. Don't be afraid. Well look that leads me into my next point. That's one of the keys to resisting is don't be afraid. Look, the reason Jesus tells us don't be afraid so many times because he knows it's in our nature to go that way so easily. I was a kid and I was walking home from the ballpark and I'd, I'd walk to the ballpark, I'd play ball, whatever, in the, and uh, at night, and I'd start to come home. It wasn't too far, but the lights usually stayed on a long time, you know, and so I had a light most of the way home. And so, uh, I'm walking, and all of a sudden, somebody—I guess I stayed a little long. They turned the lights out, you know, and it's dark on the street. And so then, then you know, then I then I get a little bit worried about it. I hear something, you know, out there in the bushes there beside me. I walk a little quicker, you know. and Then I hear a car coming around. I'm like, you know, I think, okay, what, you know, what are they going to do? Jump out and do, and then fear. Then next thing you know, I'm, I see my porch light, and I am in a dead sprint, you know. That's what fear will do to your heart. You see, people who are scared tend to make bad decisions. And we don't want to be people who are scared. Here's what he tells him in verse 13 and 14. He tells them, let's look down on 14. After I looked things over and stood up to the, uh, said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. Now here's his halftime speech. Got it? The wall's halfway built. The people have been ridiculed and threatened and they've kind of fallen off the mentally there for a little bit. And now Nehemiah comes in with his halftime speech. Here's what he tells them: Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. The key to resist here, don't be afraid and remember the Lord. It says, remember Him. He's awesome and He's mighty. What should these people be remembering? They should be remembering that He can dry up a river that you can walk across. That He can make, He can make manna come down. He can put quail out there for you to eat. He can put shoes on your feet. They need to remember all the miraculous things that they need to remember God brought water out of a rock. We need to remember the great things God has done for us. When we're rebuilding our lives and rebuilding other people's lives and and rebuilding the church to do great things, we need to be a people who remember the great and awesome acts of God Almighty. Most of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus came out of the ground that we come out to. He did the impossible. Remember that. Don't forget how great and awesome God is. And then he tells them, fight for the things you hold dear. For the things you hold dear. I can remember one time in, sitting in our living room with some brothers. I got a couple brothers. You know, when you're little, they get the best of you, but later on, you, you know, you get to be as big as they are, things change, right? Well, I remember there, there, there was a little bit of fighting and of scuffling going on there in the living room, and I don't know, I think we broke something or whatever. And mom came running in, and I, 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 I won't forget, she came running in, and she didn't say, Quit fighting. You know what she said? She said, Take that outside. Settle that outside. Take that outside. You don't fight in the house. Well, at school we'd have a couple of guys have a problem, the coach would gather us around, put out some boxing gloves, and and then we would get after it, and we'd settle the fight, and afterwards you'd shake hands and the thing you can't do that nowadays, they throw you in jail for doing something like that. I think even in the church we've lost sometimes the desire to fight for the things we hold dear. I'm telling you today, we need men and women of faith in a godly way who are willing to fight for their families, who are willing to fight for our country, thank you for that, who are willing to fight for our church family, our forever family, who are willing to fight for the gospel. We need people who will stand up and fight. We want to fight as a church. We want to fight culture around. We want to fight Satan around. We want to fight the enemy. We want to be like Paul says, I have fought the good. What? Fight! You see, look, we be ready for a fight at White row We eat challenges for breakfast. We're ready for whatever fight comes our way, right? We don't cut and run. We don't jump ship. We hang in there and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And whatever challenges come our way, then we'll take them on. Why? Because God does awesome. And great things. When I talk about this, I couldn't help but think about this being Memorial Day. Lieutenant Colonel Matt Urban, known as the ghost for staying alive through multiple wounds and talking with a whisper after being mortally wounded in the neck, Urban's valiant acts made him the most decorated soldier in World War II. He repeatedly refused to stay in the hospital even hitchhiking across France to return to his men, giving his life for those with whom he served rather than saving his own. It's men like Irvin who make this country great. And Sergeant Roy P. Benavides, a migrant worker, middle school dropout that became a great green beret, listen, was wounded 37 times in battle while fighting with the only weapon he had at the time, a knife. He not only survived every attack; he kept brothers in arms, in arms fueled with water, ammo, and courage. He was presumed dead, placed in a body bag. The doctor got a surprise spit in the face just before he zipped the bag up for good. It was the only survival effort he could make. Can you imagine that? Yes, sir. That's the kind of men who had fight in them. For our country. And I can't help. Can't help but mention our own. Hero and our own church family. Chad Powell. I thank Jerry. I thank y'all. For Chad. For his willingness to go fight. And die for our country. That I could stand up here. In this room. And preach the good news. To our community. Praise God for men. Who are willing to fight. Praise God. Resisting, it takes commitment. The commitment to resist is found in the rest of this chapter. Here's what he says. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shield, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet stayed with me. Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, The work is extensive and spread out, and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. I love this. Our God will fight for us. So we continued to work with half the men holding spears from first light of dawn till the stars came out. That's a long day. And at that time also said to the people, Have every man his helper stay inside Jerusalem at night. They can serve as guards by night and workmen by day. Neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards with me took off our clothes. Each had his weapon, even when he went for water. They were diligent. They were ready. And they were confident in God. Uh, This week, uh, while on vacation, we came back through Atlanta. We stopped in Atlanta. We took a tour of the headquarters of uh, Chick-fil-A. Now don't let your minds go to lunch too quick now, okay? And... I heard the, the story, of course, about Truth Cathy and the great leader of that company and all the spiritual principles that he practiced in, in his personal life as well as in business. And he started with a wagon when he was, I think, eight years old. And he figured out he could get a case of Cokes and he would take those things, put them in his wagon and drag it around and sell them individually and he knew exactly how much, many cents he could make off each one and that's how he started his business. So when you go in his office and visit his office in front of his desk is that little cart full of Coke bottles. That's how he started. And they started with one little restaurant. I think it was called the Dwarf's Cafe or uh, the restaurant. And so in, in that... Uh, him and his brother started. and His brother was killed in the plane crash, and so he's there to run it by himself. He opened it up 24 hours a day, right between Delta and Ford Motor Company, because all the shift workers could come at any time of day and night and come there and eat, and he could serve them quickly. And so uh, uh, he had other people who worked all the time, so he wanted to be close. He rented a room in the house next door, and he, the, the the parking lot was gravel, so any time he would hear a lot of gravel stacking but he would know somebody need help. He'd get up in the middle of the night, run over there and help whoever was working. He was that dedicated, that diligent to being a success in what he did. And the purpose stated in their company, obviously, is to God be glory. God gets the glory in how we use our resources and the power of influencing our community. But that, 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 that's the heart of that statement. But it's all to the glory of God. And I loved his diligence and his readiness and his confidence in God to accomplish what uh, what God had in mind for him to accomplish, and I thought about, am I that ready? I'm not as ready as these guys. They're sleeping with their clothes on. They've got their swords right here. They're ready for the task ahead. I love the story of David and Goliath because there he is. Look, it's not not the kind of stones he picked out. It's not his athletic ability to use the slingshot. It's not his intellect or his ability inside him that makes this story great. What makes it great is that he had faith in a God who could do the impossible and he went out and conquered this Goliath, this giant in his life. God gave him the success he needed when he needed it. He was diligent. He was ready, and he was confident in God. Here's the thing about strength. Should look at this statement. Strength is gained by overcoming adversity, not by giving into it. You got it? Strength is gained by overcoming adversity, not by giving into it. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35, I want to read you a little section of scripture here. He says this, so we do not throw away, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he's promised for in just a very little while. He who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are those who believe and are saved, or those who have faith and are saved. God says, look, you're part of a family here. That You're not a part of people who shrink back and are destroyed. You're part of people who believe and are saved. In God's family, there's no shrinking back. Whatever purpose we have getting the gospel out to the whole world, there's no shrinking back. We're not going to let opposition from the outside or the inside keep us from accomplishing God's purpose. God has created you in His image to accomplish great things. You are designed for success. God has created you to accomplish things you've never done before. He wants to use you to impact the world around you and can and will. Have faith in God. Don't shrink back from sharing the good news of Jesus. Believe God will do things through you and with you for His will and for His purpose. Here's what I want you to take home. I want us to check our faith and I want us to check our fight. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by what? Word of God. And I my availing myself of opportunities just to dig in and get into the Word of God. It's so important. It's so important. There are tons of mega churches out across the United States that are full of unconverted believers. Got it? They confess some kind of religious acknowledgement. But that deep down discipleship there... That says uh, that that's built on faith, knowing what God's word says. Not just I want to attend a church somewhere. We're not a, we're not about wanting to be an audience. We are about wanting to be a body and a family that accomplishes great things. We need faith in God. It's, it's as old as the hymn. Take time to be holy. Speak off with the Lord. Prayer that's what Nehemiah did. That's where he first went. Speak off of the Lord. Spend much time in secret. Feed on His Word. Make friends of God's children. You need to surround yourself with some strong, faithful people too. People you can depend on. People that will help you grow. Check your faith. And check your fight. See, I think we do a great disservice when we don't teach our kids to fight. Now, understand I'm not talking about teaching the fight on the playground. I'm not talking about punching somebody in the mouth. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about having a commitment that says, God, His Word, His church is worth fighting for. Look, the church is called the Bride of Christ. Now I have a bride, a beautiful bride, Susan. Now, you know what? You come up and say something ugly or attack my wife, then we're going to have a problem, Right? <laughs> She's my bride. This church is the bride of Christ. If you come up and you attack this church family and you're negative about this church and you're going to talk ugly about our church, then you and I, we're going to have a problem because I'm telling you, I'm going to fight for the bride of Christ. Our church family, our forever family, has to pull together and we got to check our faith and we got to check our fight. And we're not going to give in to opposition in the culture around us, nor to opposition from those ten times over talkers among us. We're just not going to do it. We're not those who shrink back, that who believe and are saved. I love my church. I love this church. This church gave me my Bible, my wife, Help me raise my kids. I am ever indebted to this family. And I will fight tooth and nail to see her grow and shine to the glory of God. And there will be no shrinking back. That's the kind of family we're a part of. Father, we love you. We pray for our growth in our own faith. We pray we learn to fight the right way. That we at the end can say we have, like Paul, fought the good fight and finished the course. Give us courage to live strong for you, Father. Give us great message of grace and love to the world. We want as many people to come to know Jesus as possible, Father, before this world comes to an end. I know we live in a difficult culture, but give us the strength, Father, to share the good news of Jesus, because I know that people need him more than they need the next breath of fresh air. We want to see begging men find the bread of life. Bless us as a church. Thank you, Father, for the example of the leaders in this church and its history. I'm so so humbled, Father, to have learned from such great men as our elders and elders in the past. Thank you, Father, for how you've raised this family up. And may we have a great vision for the future, accomplish your purpose of rebuilding, rebuilding faith in people, rebuilding fight in people, and to be effective as your kingdom and as your bride. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says... Amen. Amen. If you ever need to respond today, do so while we stand and sing.